the Making Sense of Life podcast, episode 12. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome again to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Andrew Horton, and Dr. Sunil Raheja. Sunil, great to see you again. It's great to be here with you, with you again here, Andrew. Now, in this podcast, we are looking at quite an important life event for you, Sunil, isn't it? It is uh, indeed, you're right. And yeah. I believe that uh, you have just turned the grand good age of 50, that's right, isn't it? Absolutely. I have recently just turned 50 and uh, today we're going to talk about some life lessons on turning 50, aren't we? That's fantastic. Um, and I'm just for the record, I'm 36. So I'm coming up to the the big 4-0 in a few years time. So it's interesting. I'll, I'm sure I'll learn some lessons from you today soon about reaching sort of landmark ages and that sort of thing. But there's also some, some more important lessons we need to learn, isn't there? Some, some really key life lessons that you've learned in these 50 years. And you're going to share some of those with us, aren't you? Well, yes. Let, I mean, obviously, 50, obviously, that half century gives you a point to reflect and think about where your life has come to and, and what lies ahead. Um, so I'm not sure whether it's relevant to 50 or 40, but it's all about getting older and hopefully building on the experience of the past. So uh, hopefully this won't be a navel-gazing exercise. It'll be much more hopefully for our listeners. You can learn from some of the mistakes that, that, that I've made and or some of the reflections that I've, I have on, on things that have happened in the past. And hopefully the listeners can apply in, in their own lives. And of course, you know, this is key to our podcast series that we're doing, isn't it? About being honest and real with each other, isn't it? Absolutely. And making sense of, li of life in what is a very challenging and complex world, a world that's getting more challenging and more complex every day. So hopefully there'll be some nuggets of wisdom that you can, that our listeners can apply in their own lives. Okay, Sunil, so why don't you just start by giving us some sort of general points that we're going to look at today? Yeah, I mean, as I've sort of got older and seen the big, firstly, the big 4-0 coming to me and then the big 5-0, I've sort of read around and tried to learn from the lives of other people and their own experiences you know they say you can learn from from your mistakes or you can learn from other people's mistakes and I think it's much better to learn from other people's mistakes and experience <laughs> than your own but one of the big things I, I read a very helpful book a few years ago called The Resilient Life by somebody called Gordon MacDonald and uh, it was a fascinating book because he is actually a he was a, a long distance runner mm. and he talked about how people who who who, who run long distance and I, I'm not a runner but uh, he talks about how they uh, if they're running a marathon they aim to end the marathon with a sprint right and so if you just hold that thought for a little while but what this what Gordon McDonald also did is he looked at people around him getting older he was rather disappointed I'm afraid to say to see that a number of them um, actually 
as they got older, became more cynical, more negative, mm. more complaining, more self-centered, more mm. focused on the, and maybe rightly so, may, may more focused on their pains and aches and health issues. Uh, and, and that was obviously very discouraging for him. But he did also notice that there was a small minority who, man, who maintained their zest and joy and enthusiasm for life right to the end. And being a Bible teacher as well, and by the way, I just, when you're looking at these people, a lot of these people were people who call themselves Christians or who mm. call themselves spiritual people. So it, it, it was quite a sadry sort of exercise for him. Mm. And being a Bible teacher, he also looked in the, you know, explored the Bible. And one of the things he noticed was that by and large, generally speaking, the vast majority of um, people who God uses in the Bible tend to be in their 60s 70s and 80s exactly we think of abraham as one example abraham's an example uh, you think of moses of um you think of yeah th th there's lots of examples of that and it's not it's not a, a blanket rule but generally speaking and he then sort of developed this hypothesis as it were that we should pace our lives in such a way now obviously when, when i say this we've also got to add the extra caveat that any of us can go at any moment. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So there's obviously uncertainty. But in terms of what we're in control of, we should pace our lives in such a way that our most productive years, our most fruitful years, are actually in our 60s, 70s and 80s. So that actually the best, as it were, is still in front of us. That And if, when you start thinking like that, it's actually very liberating and um, very exciting, really. And it, it turns that, as it were, a lot of the thinking that's in the media in the world, it turns all that thinking on the head because yeah. the media in the world tends to celebrate youthfulness and, uh, and, 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 and young people and, does, and tends to look at older people as past it and, as it were, as finished. Whereas this is actually turning it right around. So you're saying our best years are to come. So that's good, isn't it? That's Absolutely. good news. I mean, one of my favorite quotes from Tim Keller is that in Christ, our bad things can turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost and that the best is yet to come. And I think as as a disciple of Christ, that's a really important thing to hold on to. Great. OK, so you've written a couple of blog posts on uh, turning 50. So we're going to be looking at some of the things, some of the lessons you've learned uh, in your 50 years so far. Uh, 50 years, good 50 years, Sunil. So um, let, let's start off by looking at um, your first point, which is that you've been learning to be comfortable in your own skin and context. Now, what do you mean by that, Sunil? Yes, thanks for asking, Andrew. I mean... It begins with, for a lot of my life, um, I've been, as it were, I've not been comfortable in my own skin. I've often looked at other people and thought, oh, you know, they're so good at that skill or they're so good at this. Uh, I wish I could be like them. And I've also been very much of a, of a dreamer, always striving to think about what the next hurdle is, what the next goal is to achieve. And my mind has often been focused way, way into the future rather than being able to be in the present and enjoy the moment as it were mm. um, and I think part of being comfortable in your own skin is being able to look at your strengths and weaknesses objectively and say I'm good at this I'm not so good at that mm. 
and not, which is so easy to do, is play the comparison game and feeling that you're hard done by because you haven't got this or you can't do that. It's very, very common, isn't it, this comparison game? And I know, I know it's something I suffer from is, well, most people suffer from, isn't I think, it? I think Com- we all suffer from it. I think we, we all do it at some point or other, yes. Comparing yourself with someone else or thinking, oh, I could be better if only I had that better job or that... Uh, you know, whatever it, whatever it is, better salary, whatever better salary, better job, better house, yeah. better family, better marriage, better yeah. you know, better anything really, anything at all. But the reality is that there'll always be people who'll have more than you or appear to be getting doing doing better than you in some way or other, and there'll always be people behind you. And I think there's something about human nature that tends to focus on what we don't have rather than what, what we do have. Um, and I think that's such an important skill to learn to be comfortable in your own skin and context um but again we can know on one level but it's it's a lifelong process so i I remember when i was in my early 40s i i was going through a coaching program and one of the exercises we were asked to do was to talk was to email 10 people who we knew well and who knew us well Mm. and ask them for feedback on one positive thing about ourselves and one thing that they would like to say to us that we could learn from mm. and one particular good friend uh, Isaac Shaw who's in India uh, sent me an email which really struck me uh, it was like a thunderbolt in, in, in my life because it mm. sort of pulled me up short and, and it was only a sentence in, in terms of the feedback he gave and what he said was Sunil needs to learn to be comfortable in his own skin wow that's tough words but profound isn't it yeah and it really pulled me up short i thought he's absolutely right i i keep wishing and you know if if you if you look on the blog there's a video called just as i am and i talk about the roots of this in terms of growing up um in britain but coming from india and when i was and not feeling comfortable in in britain thinking that india was my home and then when i was in india feeling that britain was my home and sort of pining for the other when i was in the other place and never feeling comfortable anywhere and thinking, well, actually, you know, I am who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm unique. And let me, as it were, enjoy the way that God has created me rather than wishing uh, I was somebody else or somewhere else. Um, you know, and, and, and on one level, that's an easy thing to, to grasp. But when it comes into the, the um, hurly-burly of life and the yeah. challenges of life, it's yeah. so easy to forget uh, that... I am who God has made me to be. Uh, you know, one of the quotes that, 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 that I often go back to is, you know, at, at the end of your life, God, God, God won't ask you, you know, why were you not like, um, you know, if you think somebody famous, why were you not like Nelson Mandela? Why were you not like Mother Teresa? Why were you not like uh, some great hero? You know, you fill in the blank. No, God will ask you, why were you not the person I made you to be. So he'll say to you, Andrew, yeah. why were you not like the Andrew Horton I made? He'll say to me, why were you not more like the Sonora Hager that I made? Rather than um, some, you know, some great hero in, 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 of some previous time or even the present generation. That's a really, really profound thought, isn't it? That we've all been given our our identities and, and our God-given identities. And it's about living those out. And as you say, not comparing ourselves uh to other people in a, in a negative way so it's a it's a very profound thought isn't it that we've been given our own identities we're all unique aren't we Chanel? absolutely and so it's being com- comfortable as it were in our uniqueness and this and being objective about saying okay i am who i am okay that that's who i am but it doesn't end there and no. it doesn't end there at all um because 
as your second point in your blog post says, it's about uh, not only being content with who you are, Sunil, but also a place to appropriately strive and grow into all that you're called to be. So it's as you, as I said, it's not just about being content with who you are, but it's also having an, almost a mandate to, to grow and just to, to kind of um, develop as a person as well, isn't there? No, absolutely, Andrew, because if you just took the first point, it'd be very easy to say, OK, I don't need to, to do to do nothing, you know, mm. as it were, just uh, let go and let God, if you like, and just mm. sit back and relax. I'm, I'm content with who I am. There's nothing else to do. Well, there is a, a tension here. Uh, you know, God loves you as you are, but he doesn't want to leave you as you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a well-known quote, that, isn't it? Yes. And so while being with content with who I am, there is a place to appropriately strive into and grow into all that I'm called to be. And that's going to demand a lot of me. But it's not a kind of striving that is, as it were, clenching my teeth, trying to force myself yeah. to be what I'm not. Not even dragging your feet. You know, you can still move forward at a, at a healthy rate, can't you? Absolutely. And a quote that's always stuck with me is, is one from John Newton, who was a slave trader, and he lived a life of profanity, gambling, and drinking. And he experienced a spiritual awakening, which led to a radical change in the, the direction of his life. You may have heard, you know, there's the, 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 so our listeners may have heard the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. Mm. But a favorite saying of his, which is, is not so well known, is he, he also would say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm not what I want to be, but I thank God that I'm not what I, what I once was. Mm. And if you stop and reflect on that, you know, he, by the grace of God, I am who I am. I, you know, I've got my warts, I've got my failings, I've got my weaknesses, and I've got some strengths. Mm. Now, there's lots of areas that I need. I see I need to grow, but I thank God I'm not what I once was. So, you see, as I said earlier, the natural default mode of the human heart is to keep looking at what we don't have. So it's very easy to to, to look at what we lack. Um, another writer, Dan Sullivan, talks about what he calls is the concept of the gap. And if you think about um, a ship leaving a harbour, say going out into the Atlantic Ocean, as that ship leaves, if, if you're just facing forward away from the harbour, what, what would you see, Andrew? You just see the horizon ahead of you. Exactly. You see the sea and you see the horizon. And if you keep looking forward and let's assume that, you know, it's several thousand miles like the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific oh. Ocean. If you just kept looking forward, all you would see is the horizon and you'd get the impression that you're actually making no progress whatsoever. Exactly, yeah, you think you're making no progress. Yeah, yeah because the horizon is a, is a mental construct. It doesn't actually exist because of the curvature of the Earth. Mm. As the ship moves and it, as it moves across the curvature of the Earth, that horizon keeps moving forward. So you appear to be making no progress. It's only when you look back behind you do you realise how far you've come. And yeah. that is what Newton was saying all those hundreds of years ago. Mm. He's saying, I am where I am today, but but I look back to how far I've come. And that gives me a sense of gratitude. It gives me a sense of energy mm. to keep moving forward, to keep going forward and, and to think, wow, you know, the, um, th this this has been possible. How much more can be possible through through God's grace and through his goodness? It's almost a spiritual discipline, isn't it, Sinai, in terms of, it's so easy to kind of just get disheartened and look forward in terms of the horizon view, but we do need to take stock sometimes, don't we? Absolutely. You know, and again, as, as disciples of Christ, you know, at, as you'll know as well, you know, one of our big goals and ambitions in life is to become more like Jesus. Now, that's a wonderful thing to become more like Jesus. The problem is, no matter how old you are, however long you're on the spiritual journey, 
that that gold is not going to change so it you know 30 years ago you know when i had my spiritual awakening and i thought okay i realized this is the goal of life i thought wow that's a long way to go to become more like jesus and 30 years later I still have to say there's a long way to go to become more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that will carry on. But if I take stock and I, I ask myself in terms of growing in Christ-like qualities, in terms of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, you know, gentleness, self-control, I can ask myself questions like, am I growing more or less irritated these days compared to last year? Mm-hmm. Am I growing more or less e- easily discouraged this year compared to last year? Mm-hmm. And I can see changes in that. I can see progress in that. Mm. And that provides encouragement. And, and that provides, if you like, a true sense of, well, we talk about this, bold humility, mm. a true sense of gratitude, and also a true sense of how far I've got to come. So it, it, it holds a lot of things in, in, in tension. So confidence that doesn't become arrogance, humility that doesn't give way to despair and discouragement. It's, it's a real tension. Now, one of the key things we've talked about over the last few podcasts uh, since we started has been, you know, not just doing things on our own, but kind of doing things in community as well, isn't it, Sunil? So it's important to have that that, that love and friendship around us and to, to cultivate that, isn't there? Absolutely, Andrew. And I, th- I feel like, you know, going back to lessons and turning 50, I think this is one of the things I've realised more and more is that life only makes sense in the context of love and friendship. Mm you know there there's no point in life going on just by yourself you know if you think about it uh, again our society values you know the self-made man or woman mm. it, it values independence and i'm not and saying the, and the idol as well the, the superstars and the film stars and the rock stars and yeah. the sports stars it's right it's the cult of, of of the hero who who seems to get hero heroine who seems to get there by themselves but it's only in the context of, of friendship that, that actually life makes sense because you have to have life to share with. You can't do it by yourself. Right. You can't do anything, anything of any values. <laughs> it's, it can't be done by, you know, by yourself. You know, that we need, we need others, but not just to get things done, but also to give meaning and purpose as well. Exactly. Um, and again, my listeners will, will know uh, that was, I was very brought, brought up short with that last year in 2014 uh, on the 17th of March, 2014, when a good friend of mine, just at the age of 32, uh, suddenly died, um, Abhishek Banerjee, Bunty. And uh, he was, you know, quite a... One of the things when I think back on his life is that he had a unique skill. Again, if you think about in in our world, we tend to take friendships and relationships for granted. We tend to think about friendships or relationships in terms of what can I get out of somebody. So I, I, I speak to somebody or I contact somebody because I need something rather than valuing people for who they are. Mm. Uh, I, I, just a quote I put on, on, on the blog after Bunty died. Uh, I just quote a paragraph from that. He says, Bunty enjoyed friends for friendship's sake. He had a wealthy abundance of close friends in a world where so many friendships are a means to only task fulfillment. Bunty was always willing to make himself available to talk and listen, no matter what the day or time. And then, because I'd, I'd, I'd seen him the week before he died in mm-hmm. Delhi, during my w- recent week in Delhi, as was so typical of him, he would go out of his way to pick me up from various addresses to take me to my accommodation so that we could simply hang out, as he liked to say, and chat, and, as it were, shoot the breeze, enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, you know, there are tasks to be done. Yes, there are things to strive for. Yes, there are, you know, um, goals to reach, really important. But we also have got to learn to hold that tension between the future and the past and the present, because everything is in the present, really. That's where all the power, that's where all the energy is. Um, And ultimately, 
uh, that's where we can find joy and fulfillment i'm picking up some really profound and uh, but simple truths from what we're discussing as you know it's quite interesting how a lot of our um a lot of our discussions come down to some very basic truths and basic principles isn't it like we talked about you know being the recognizing that we're unique and recognizing that we need friends and doing things in community and finding meaning that sort of thing we do make life complicated sometimes for ourselves don't we we make it complicated for ourselves and the outside is getting more complex and that's in many reasons that's the vision behind this podcast really is to make sense of life in, in a world that's just so challenging and so complex externally and internally and they, as it were these are very simple truths that if we can just grasp and we can have a few uh, you know if our listeners can have a few aha moments they can have a dramatic influence really yeah i think <laughs> when we go to meet our maker whatever time god's going to say to us you know uh why do we make things so complicated <laughs> sometimes isn't it? yeah I, I, and it's something about i think our fallen human nature and it goes back you know i would say you know right right to to the garden uh, and if you think about adam and eve in the garden of eden they had everything that they could want and then there was the temptation that was there in terms of uh with the temptation comes, did did God really say that you can eat every fruit in in the garden? And Eve is then tempted to think, well, actually, there's one thing I can't do, and so she focuses on the one thing that they can't do. And Adam joins her in that, rather than thinking of all the abundance that's there. Exactly. So um, yeah, so it's, it's it's in our human nature, and it's part of learning that. But you know, the other big thing is is that if we don't learn the lessons, then they keep repeating itself. And I always go back to a quote that there's a world of difference between. 50 years of experience and one year of experience repeated 50 times and if we don't learn the lessons early on then mm. we keep on coming back to the same problems and the same issues again and again until we until we learn from them so um again hopefully some of these things can, can be valuable to to our listeners in their own lives fantastic now um the fourth point the fourth point on your uh, list of key lessons you've learned from turning 50 uh, is headlined remember the video is playing and you are never really alone even if it feels like it now Sinel, do you want to expand a bit more on that and explain what you mean by that yeah. well the reason i wrote that down is that again maybe linked to the fact that i i struggled growing up so much with uh, not feeling i belonged anywhere and because i didn't feel understood in this country i didn't feel understood in india i felt i was all by myself and i allowed myself to fall into self-pity into despondency into discouragement i mean we studied macbeth at school and uh, there's a famous quote in macbeth that says life's but a walking shadow a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more it's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing and that quote um i think it's i think it's I can't remember who it is now. I think I think maybe Macbeth, who's doing it, or whoever's saying it, mm. is is really sort of struggling with a meaninglessness of life and feeling very alone and very isolated. Mm. But I'm more and more convinced that that's not the case. I'm more and more convinced, actually, that you know that there is someone who is who is watching. Um, there is someone who who knows everything that we go through. You know, and and if you think about it, uh, in our increasingly complex world, there is so much recording that is going on, and so. The mind mm. that created our minds that can create such incredible technology must have the ability to, to know everything. I mean, I mean, Scripture says every hair on our head is counted. Everything we do is, is, is recorded by him. Um, now, 
when I say it like that, that might not feel much of an encouragement. In fact, you think, oh, my goodness, if I'm being, you know, if you know somebody's watching you, it makes you feel it puts the hair up on, on, on the back of your on the back of your neck. And you think, you know, what's going on here? Um, There's a difference between watching and watching out for you, isn't there? Well, that's a, that's a brilliant example. Yeah. Watching and watching out. for Yes. Um, but I think the first unnatural reaction is, is to think on the negative. And again, I think of, 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 uh, of a lesson my dad, my dear dad gave me. Uh, when we used to study, when I was used to be studying for exams, he would say to me, before you take the exam, just remember every second, every moment of every day prior to the exam, you'll, when you take the exam, you'll have to give an account for. Now, that used to scare the life out of me. But actually, as I got older, I began to realize that actually that's really very helpful because ultimately there isn't an ultimate exam coming up. Mm. And that exam's pass mark is actually 100%. Mm. And I know in my own ability that there's no way I'm anywhere even near 100%. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I don't live up to my own standards, let alone God's standards. Um, so that's why I think it, 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 it's really unnerving for all of us because we know that, we, that we're, we're not achieving, as I said, even our own standards, let alone God's standards. So we feel uncomfortable. It's how do I how do I approach God? So do I approach him on the but and again that we've got a separate podcast on this in mm. making sense about talking about religion and why I struggle with religion. So yeah. um, if if I look at my life in terms of how I'm doing, I have good days and I have bad days. And if I have good days, I'm at risk of becoming proud and arrogant because I, I, I start taking um, I t- start taking as it were an unhealthy pride in that. And if I'm doing a, having a bad day, then I'm at risk of going into despondency and despair because I think, oh, no, you know, look at how I'm failing. So it's how do I walk that tightrope in between? Well, as a disciple of Christ, then that's really saying that actually there is someone who's lived the perfect life. Mm. And I put my confidence in him. He's my big brother, my elder brother, who's who's given himself for me, who's put himself on the cross for me so that I know God accepts me, not on the basis of my goodness, mm. but on the basis of his goodness of Christ's goodness. Now, once I've done that, that actually opens up a whole new world because now, as you said, I'm not, that those eyes that are watching me are watching out for me. Yeah. And they're watching me with love. And they're, as it were, they're encouraging me. You know, there's, if you like, again, this is in Hebrews, it talks about how that we, we have a whole crowd of witnesses who are watching us and, and, and wanting to spur us on to, to run the race with perseverance that God has for us, to be fully the person who we're, we're created to be. It's very encouraging, isn't it, to know that uh, we are being uh, watched out for and someone is going before us. The spirit goes before us, the Bible talks about. And uh, it's very encouraging to know that, uh, particularly as we keep coming back to you in this challenging and complex world. Absolutely, Andrew. Yes. Um, Yeah. But I think it's 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 realizing that that, as I said, we're not alone. Uh, although it often can feel like that, and again, if any of our listeners are feeling that they that they are lonely, that are feeling that their situation is 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 unique, there are there is someone who does perfectly understand. There's someone who's gone through the deepest despair, the the deepest discouragement, the hardest problems, and and knows exactly what you're feeling. And there are people who will be able to identify with that as well. You may not be able to connect with them right now, but that they are definitely there uh, and that's in a sense I, I really want to give that hope um, but it's a recurring theme you know um, you know the Ecclesiastes writer King Solomon 
back in the in the in the 10th century BC, one of the richest men who ever lived, who had access to unimaginable opportunity, resources, and resources, had a great had a period of great restlessness and emptiness emptiness in his life. Maybe he was he'd hit the you know hit the four zero, maybe hit the big five zero. I don't know. Mm. And he, he, you know, his famous quote was meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. But then, you know, and just, sorry, just as a quick aside, that seems a strange thing to read in, in, in the Bible mm-hmm. that, that life is meaningless. And it does say that life is meaningless, mm, yeah. but you've got to read it in the context of everything else. And Solomon at that point was going through a period of deep introspection and deep navel gazing, mm. trying to make life, make sense of life, make sense of life, like, like our <laughs> podcast, under what he says, under the sun, which means without reference to an infinite reference point. Yeah. And life makes no sense if you have no infinite res- reference point. Mm. And so in a sense, so after he went through his term, after he went through his midlife crisis, as, as it were, he concludes in the last chapter of his life thesis, he concludes, now all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And so he's saying, realize that, you know, well, he wouldn't know videos in those days, but what he's saying is the video is playing, the DVD is playing, you know, it's, it's playing and it's recording. Um, and you're going to have to give, give an account of that. Um, but are you going to give an account of that on the basis of your own strength or are you going to look for the mercy and grace of God? And as disciples of Christ, we've come to the conclusion that the mercy and grace of God is most perfectly shown in Christ and in Jesus and in what he's done for us. Now, I've had times myself when I've felt very alone. We all, we all, I think a lot of us have had times when we felt very alone and and it. First of all, to say it's not a nice thing, is it? To know? No, it's not. It's, it's, nice it's, it's, it's horrible. It is really horrible. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I've been there and, yeah, it, what can you say? Yeah. yeah. And what I've found when I've been in those really times of feeling very alone, and, and I, it maybe the reason I'm saying this is from what you said about the fact that we're never actually fully alone, even if we feel alone because God is there watching, watching out for us, is that you actually... Um, when you when you feel very alone and, and and you get to that point of loneliness, sometimes sometimes God feels more real in a sense, doesn't he? Because yeah. it cuts out some of the distractions, doesn't it? I suppose it's also worth saying that guilt and shame, and the Bible word for it is sin. You know the things that we we know that we've done wrong, the secrets that we keep hidden from other people. Um, those are the things that do make us feel alone, because if if you've got stuff that you you've got no one to share with then you will feel really alone. Um, and I think of a proverb that says that he who uh, conceals his sin does not prosper, but he who confesses and renounces them mm-hmm. finds mercy. And it is, again, we, we've talked about this particularly for maybe for people who are struggling through depression and despair of some sort, mm-hmm. or shame or guilt about something from the past, is finding safe people with whom you can confess that to. Uh, that's really important. So that's the, what the emphasis on safe people. The, that is the emphasis is, is on safe people because obviously there are things that it wouldn't be wise to share with. Yeah. So that kind of touches back onto our point three about love and, and friendship and community, doesn't it? But we're actually going to go now on to the fifth point in your uh, uh, top six things you've learnt from turning 50, which is the importance of right thinking and the, what we say to ourselves. So do you want to just give us a little bit of insight into that, Sunil? Yes, Andrew. So the way we think is incredibly powerful. 
the thoughts that we have in our mind will affect our feelings. Those feelings will affect our behavior and our choices. And it all starts with thinking. And if you think with words, um, I, I, I can't overemphasize how, emphasize how important words are. Mm. Because, for example, and I wouldn't recommend any of our listeners to do this, because people get, you know, they get very sort of, um, some people can get very sort of um, cynical about about positive talk and positive thinking. But, but think about the opposite. And again, nobody do this, please, if you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. If I said to you, I want you to spend 10 minutes every day just thinking and reflecting on all the things that are wrong with your life and all the things that annoy and irritate you. Now, if you did that on a, on a deliberate basis for 10 minutes every day, I can guarantee you that you would become a very unnice person to be with and it would do your mental health real damage. Mm. You know, just spending... You know, so what you allow to go into your mind can have huge effects. And I'd say it's also because we're made in the image of God. And if you think about, you know, God created the universe with his words. Yeah. And it was there. Now, we're made in the image of God. And, you know, we're in my office at the moment. And if we look at this office and around us, there are books, there's there's desks, there's chairs. Everything in this room and everything in the room that, that you're in, or if you're in your car driving along listening, everything there was, was once a thought in somebody's mind. Mm. And that thought was of just words. And those words became an idea. Somebody had an idea, you know, I want to make you know what can i see here I, i've got an iphone here mm. Th- this iphone in my hand was once a thought from steve jobs perhaps Steve jobs perhaps or one of his engineers was thinking about the design of that um or you know a simple thing like a pencil even that's here somebody had to think and design that and it came into being so the reason i'm sort of laboring the point there is just emphasizing that the words we allow into our head can have huge effect for good or for ill. So we better choose our words carefully. You know, you've, you've heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out. Mm. You know, w- working as a psychiatrist, one of the things I've always been struck by, and I sort of go, is um, obviously I, I, I've, visit, I've gone to, worked in hospitals and worked with some people who've been very depressed, mm. uh, very suicidal, and uh, suicidal, or we had real struggle with, with emotional um, blackness, if you like, in, mm. in various ways. Turmoil. Turmoil, yeah. And one of the things that struck me on a number of occasions is I've gone, you know, I've gone to their house or I've gone to their room in, in hospital and there have been some, you know, at times some very sexually explicit um, videos or mm. books or very mm. violent videos and books. And I sort of noticed it by with them and, you know, and, and, and they're, you know, they're in hospital and, and they're very unwell. And I've sort of seen the book there or the video and I said, do you really need to read this or watch this? And nine times out of ten, the the response I've got back is, oh, no, 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 I don't think about it that way. It doesn't affect me. Mm. And then I have to confess, I've I've not had the courage to say, oh, maybe I've said it once or twice, but only when it's felt appropriate. Mm. I've had to think and say, well, look, you are here in hospital with a serious mental illness. And you're telling me that watching or reading this kind of material does nothing to you. You know, I know for myself, I, and again, I, I don't want to be prescriptive about this because all of us have got different levels yeah. tolerance, of tolerance and what we can take, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in the same way uh, that, you know, there are certain foods that you can eat and certain foods you can't mm-hmm. eat and, you know, how much you can run or do. You know, we've all got different thresholds. Mm-hmm. But and I know my thresholds is that there, there are certain movies I, I, I just will refuse to watch. There are certain mm-hmm. things I, I will refuse to read. You know, I. I it might make some people laugh, but but I, I share it if, it if it helps you. I I, I make a point of, of not watching the news uh, before I go to bed mm. because it won't help my sleep. 
and there's not a lot I can do about it. I mean, I could pray about the situation, but it, but, but I need to be in the best shape possible, mm. mentally, physically, so, yeah. uh, psychologically, spiritually, to face this. Okay, we go back to the words: this challenging and complex world. Mm. Um, so that's why thinking and right thinking is really important. I was kind of thinking while you were saying that, Sunil, that a lot of this is to do with recognizing our value, isn't it? We talked about identity earlier on, but also recognizing our value. Sometimes we don't realize, you know, we stuff watching these. You're talking about these 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 patients that you'd visited, and you know, watching horror movies or explicit movies and that sort of thing. They, it, it's hurt, it's harming them, but they they're not caring because perhaps is it because they don't value. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of the time, a good point because if if I said to you, for example, you know, let's see, example, um, uh, if, if we talk for, let's say, I'm taking an example, say you you were given a, a brand new Porsche, or you were given a uh, a 22 karat gold diamond ring, okay, you were given some of those things. You're getting married soon, so mm, okay, mm, <laughs> you know, something very very valuable like that. You would take real good care of that, mm. okay. You were given. Um, a, a very very expensive computer you would take care of that well your the human brain is the most complex object in mm. the entire universe mm. you know which which you have which you and i have been gifted with them you know and regardless of where we put ourselves on, on the comparison scale every single one of us has been given the most complex object in the universe mm. and how we treat it is really really important in the same way if you were given a porsche or a lamborghini or an expensive ring you would treat that with with great care. You wouldn't throw it on the you know you, you would you wouldn't throw it on the floor. You wouldn't you know drive your Lamborghini in first gear and put water into in, into the petrol tank. You wouldn't do ridiculous things like that. You would take great care of it. Well, you've been given something that's a, a zillion times more precious and more valuable. And it's it's interesting, isn't it? That this is this is what I can see you're trying to do with working out what's what sort of six life lessons have been for you over these 50 years it's about almost doing an mot isn't it and almost like working out yeah. well yeah so yeah and, and maybe yeah the mot is obviously a yearly thing um but yeah it's, it's always good to step back and reflect and to try and think well where am i what direction am i going do i really want to carry on going in this direction what are the consequences of of, mm. of, of, of what i'm doing and the way that i'm living mm. um is it sustainable or not yeah Okay, so let's come into land now, Sunil, on your sixth uh, and, final. and final life lesson uh, that you've uh, uh, put in your blog here, which is uh, your life is a whole movie and not just a single scene. So do you want to expand a bit on that, Sunil? Yeah, that's it. I think this is probably this is one of the things as you get older, uh, you can get that perspective more. Because if you think about it, you know, if you're a, a five-year-old and your dad doesn't give you an ice cream, you start screaming, as it were, because you want an ice cream. Because, you know, a few minutes in, in a five-year-old seems like a lifetime. Mm. And I've, <laughs> as a quick aside, um, a quote I heard is that, is that life is rather like a toilet roll. The nearer you get to the end, the uh, the faster it goes and the more you realise that you've wasted. So... Uh, but the, the point I'm trying to make there is that as you get older, you, you, you hopefully can begin to see if you do the reflection, self-reflection, and you begin to see the patterns that are emerging in your life and the lessons you're learning. You begin to see actually what appeared to be a disaster at one point or where things appeared to go completely wrong was actually hugely beneficial. So, for example, and I, I often go back to that experience about struggling between two cultures. That was very painful at the time. Mm. 
and in a time when there was no internet when there was no technology so yeah. you couldn't really um connect you know I, as, as a quick aside this, i was about i think i was eight years old and i'd um one of the sort of naughty things that i did was uh i missed india so much uh, and I, ringing up india was was cost used to cost a fortune <laughs> that I, I, I picked up the phone and I rang India just to hear the telephone ring in India just to make a connection with India. <laughs> I, I, was, I think I must be eight or maybe I was I couldn't remember. at a very young yeah, age, yeah. but I had to quickly put the phone down before anybody picked it up. But um, the point I'm making is that we get stuck in a situation and we just think, oh no, this is terrible, this is terrible. And it, mm. may, be, it may be terrible, mm. but you always get stuck. And, and, and it may be going on a long time in, 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 in what we think is a long time. Yeah, for, and especially if we're younger as well, it, it feels longer. Um, but that but the point I'm trying to make is that that is only a single scene. That's only part of of the movie. There's everything else uh, that that you haven't seen yet. And there's something about our culture that really does that. Because if you think about pain, okay, we're a culture that's obsessed with getting rid of pain. So if there's anything that's that, that's not comfortable in my life, I want to get rid of it, rather than understanding what are the lessons that I can learn from it. Mm. I think I read somewhere that. Um, that, for example, the United States is, I can't remember, really, maybe about 5% of the world's population, but prescribes 25% of the world's painkillers. Mm. And we're no different here in Britain, and the world is following that same kind of pattern, thinking, I must get rid of the pain. Whereas I think previous cultures and generations have said, okay, I'm going through a circumstance, I'm going through something that's painful and difficult. What is it that life is trying to teach me? Mm. What, is, what is it that God is trying to teach me through this? Mm. Why is this happening this way? Rather than saying, I've got a pain, let's get rid of it. And I think that causes more problem for us because we're stuck in the single scene. And we, we can also um, end up sort of bouncing from one fix or temporary fix for something to another one, can't we? Whether it's, uh, you know, if you are have, have, have an alcoholic drink and then you, you know, maybe you go and watch your, your favourite football team and then you go and watch uh, your favourite a, a good new movie or something you're just getting these fixes yeah. to try and, again, and hide those, away. those not bad things not I, bad things in themselves in themselves but. but it's when our reliance is on them and that's all that we're doing and that's where if you like we're anesthetizing ourselves from facing what we should face up to mm. and unfortunately a lot of, of modern life encourages us to do that not to ask the deeper questions because mm. asking the deeper questions is initially painful yeah it can be uncomfortable. in the short term it is mm. painful mm. okay but in the long term, there are huge benefits to be rewarded that more than compensate. So as I said, again, you know, if I think of the, the discouragements, disappointments I had in my life, they they pale into significance from the lessons I've learned and from how God has moved me on from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it goes back to, to, to the Tim Keller quote that we had earlier at the beginning. In Christ, our bad things can turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost. And the best is yet to come. So, you know, the bad things which can really hurt and damage us are not what we might expect. You know, we think sickness, poverty, being single all your life or being married to the wrong person or being the victim of, of, of a bomb explosion or whatever it is that terrifies you. No, those those are bad things. Yes. But they're not the things that actually, in a sense, in Christ can really hurt you. What can really hurt you are things like pride, foolishness, selfishness, hardness of heart, denying my flaws and weaknesses. It's ultimately it's that denial um, it's ultimately it's a denial that I can get through this challenging and complex world without an infinite reference point mm. that I can do it all by myself that's what will really hurt you mm. and again the good things are not what we normally look as good things mm. you know we think good things money fame beauty good health good education loving relationships again they're good things but the problem is that ultimately they can all be lost 
rather who is it I'm who I'm becoming okay um, and who am I influencing and who I'm influencing am I growing into greater Christ-likeness you know as someone once said Christ, Jesus Christ suffered not that we might not suffer because life is full of suffering but that when we suffer we may become like him and then finally you know, the most hopeful thing to end on is that the best thing to come the best things to come literally have to be out of this world so remember, in Christ our bad things can turn out for good our good things can never be lost but the best is yet to come and as you know Andrew, I just want to close with two particular quotes really worth pondering and reflecting and again they're, they're on the um, on com. he says creatures are, this is from C.S. Lewis Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger, where there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, where there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire, where there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, never to despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other hand, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that country and to help others to do the same. And that's what we want to do with the Making Sense of Life podcast. We want to encourage people to really have that, as it were, eternal perspective. And the second quote is the one from the 14th century mystic, Julian Norwich, who said, Bliss is lasting, pain is passing. It's not God's will that we should linger over pain. God is no masochist but that we should pass over it quickly to find joy that lasts and never ends. So remember again, Andrew, that's, you know, making sense of life. You know, in, in Christ, uh, our, our bad things can turn out for good. The good can, uh, our good things can never be lost and that the best is yet to come. Well, Sunil, thank you for that wisdom. Fantastic. 50 years of wisdom and summarised into good six points there. And, uh, you know, we we uh, have a lot to think about there, haven't we? Yes, and, there's, there's, a, and there's, a long, there's a long way to go. So thank you very much, Andrew. And thank you to our listeners for listening. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme. This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drsunil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.